0: So are you a true believer in Christ? And if you are a true believer, what are the implications for your life? How can you not pursue him now? How can you not want to be with him? How can he and his words not be the most important thing in your life? Mm. And so if you're a true believer, well, I mean, look, if you don't want to truly follow him, I'm going to let you argue with him about it. You know, I don't want to step into there. I'm going to let him take care of that.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey that you must take on your own, but we can come alongside you to help encourage you, challenge you, and tell you some funny stories along the way, and watch movies with you. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host this week, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor without someone who is going to be speaking about the things on Sunday, because you're not technically a pastor, I no, guess. No, I love how you're usually,
0: we can't do it without the Salty Pastor, but this, you're like, we can't do that. Well, actually, he's well, not a pastor he's not, not about, that salty but we can't do it without
1: a, a person who's going to bring us some information and actually challenge us and encourage us. And that is Zach peak this week. The, mm-hmm. the son of the salty pastor, the son
0: of saltiness,
1: the, the salty son.
0: Yeah. We, what would my name be in old Viking times? Uh, salty son, salty son, Lord, Zach. Salty-son. Oh gosh. No, thank
1: you. <laughs> All right, Zach, we are in our series at the movies and, um, the last couple of weeks, Pastor Harvey's been preaching, but you're back up. And we are talking about what movie this week?
0: Well, we're talking about a movie that includes some classic archetypes, which is great. It's got a little metaphysics in there. Uh, so it's pretty, you know, advanced, pretty subtle, a lot of great things. Of course, I'm talking about Will Smith's Hitch.
1: I, oh. I, am this, this bio makes me very confused. <laughs> I did not get any of those things that you just said out of hitch, but maybe that's what you're here for is to enlighten I, you know, us. So. That's,
0: that's the goal. Um, I've, I've always loved hitch. I've always thought it is just hilarious. I'm a huge fan. And it was funny cause I was going to do more of a basic thing and then something just, you know, it pops into your head. God leads you in different ways. And uh, I was like, you know what? I don't, I wasn't trying to have something that was way out there, but it's definitely a little out there. Some metaphysics, some perspective, some attitude, presuppositions, all that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of the direction we're going.
1: Okay. Well, let's dive in on hitch. What are we talking about? You, you talked about metaphysics, presupposition. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, ease us in gently, Zach, because. Uh, okay. Well,
0: to, to, to start, I want to talk about Tuesday a little bit because, you know, Tuesday and Thursday always kind of go together. Right. And this Thursday will go with Tuesday, but not as it usually does because usually what happens is on Tuesday, you review the biblical passage, sorry, biblical passage. And then on Thursday you kind of move into how that applies. Mm -hmm. Well, I listened to Tuesdays and it seemed a little bit more application focused. It didn't go quite as into the scripture. This is meant to be next to it. So these are like two different parts, you know, instead of it being one leads the other, they're they're next to each other and part of one bigger truth. Okay. Uh, And so the reason we're talking about metaphysics a little bit, we're going to start with the metaphysics and then we're going to to the archetypes. Um, The first thing to start with that we have to establish when you'll see why when we get to the archetypes is that there is one truth, is that there is something that matters. And this movie is built on the implication and on the presupposition that love matters. It's important. It is valuable and you should be achieving it. That's the character of Albert, right? Of Kevin right. James character, Albert Brenneman, he wants, he he's in love and he wants to exercise that. And what's really great about this movie is Albert is a good guy. He's not some, right. he's not gross and they have a gross character, right? Right. They have Je- that
1: contrast.
0: Yeah. That's the, name is the character is Vance, but everyone knows him as burn notice guy, yes, which burn Notice great Guy. great show. I did Still love the great. show. Uh, his name is Jeffrey Donovan and that's yes. his actual name, not burn notice guy, but he is A jerk. He is, for lack of a better word, a pig. That is exactly what he is, right? Mm -hmm. He has a couple conversations and he just wants to, you know, as he said, he wants to get in and get out. That's all he wants. He sees women as something for him to enjoy. And that is, as the movie shows is disgusting, which is great. And then Kevin James is shown as kind of, you know, the hero, the good guy, he wants something. He wants to make something happen because he genuinely cares and genuinely loves another person. And that is built on the presupposition that stuff matters, that there is a truth, you know, Mm -hmm. that then the the truth is that love is good, that there are morals that matter. We live in a culture that we talk about all the time on this, that is postmodern and moral relativist. Which means that everyone's like, Well, if you really believe something, that makes it true. Right. Well, Vance really believes that it's okay to use women for him to enjoy himself, right? Right. And the movie shows how he's really a jerk. And I love the uh again, it's uh the last movie I did was Top Gun and this one's hitch. Not the most subtle movies. I no. love how at the end where what's the last scene? Do you know what the last scene of Vance is?
1: The one on Wall Street when he's when he uh ends up in the bull. Well he so, he ends yeah. up
0: with his head up a bull's rear end, the yes. big sculpture of it. Yes and the he gets kneed in, in an uncomfortable position and it zooms out and his head is in the bull's area. And it's just it's really funny. Yes. It's not very subtle, but it you know shows that he is a jerk, really. Right. So that is where it shows and this movie has the presupposition that there is something that is good versus something that is bad. There is something that is true versus something that is not true because for us to have something that's good and bad, there has to be something beyond us. That's good beyond us. That's true. And it shows us that love is something that is beyond us. Love is something that is good. There's a right way to do it. And that is the contrast of Vance and Albert is Vance is a jerk. He's a pig. He's selfish and Albert, you know, it establishes within when he first meets hitch which is will smith's character he says you know what it's like that you know even if she spends the rest of her life with someone else i just want her to be happy which this movie isn't perfect on what love is and you know it's it's a rom-com so again it, it has some things that when we take it to apply to scripture aren't going to come perfectly and that's okay but the idea that you know i want what is good for her even if it doesn't mean I'm involved in that, that is a humble, selfless thing, right? And Right.
1: And he even has a line later near the end as the as the story's kinda coming to a climax where he says, um, Hitch is basically trying to talk him out of this. He's like, just move on, it's not worth it. And he's like, No, if if I can just, if this is the only thing I have to stay connected to her is just this heartache of having lost her, Mm -hmm. then it was still worth it. Right? Like he's like, I've waited my whole life to feel this miserable, Mm -hmm. which is such a great line, right? but like it it goes to that higher calling of like, I truly do want her to be happy and Mm -hmm. I'm willing to sit here and suffer for her happiness. If that's what it means, if I'm not in, in her life.
0: And that is where the archetypes come into play because we have to start with something has to be true and good. And where our belief as followers of Christ is that Christ is that thing. Uh, One, I'm going to bring out a bunch of verses on Sunday. And one of them that I want to start with is John 14, six, where Jesus says, I am the way the truth Truth. and the life Jesus equivocates himself with the truth. And just as a sidebar, I'm a math guy. Like I know nerdy, I heard it before, but I'm a math guy. And in math, when you say something is something, that's a big giant equal sign. I know for all our podcast listeners, you can't see it. I'm making a big equal sign with my hands. That is what the word is means. So when Jesus says I am, which is just another form of the verb is I am the truth. Jesus equals truth. Right. Also we see in John chapter one, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And John is talking about Jesus. Jesus equals God. So truth equals Jesus equals God. And then we see also in the Bible, God is love, right? Mm. So, God equals love, but Jesus equals God equals truth. So there's all these equal signs. Truth, Jesus, God, and love are all equal. They're all the same thing. Mm. And so when we see in this movie, Albert is going after love, right? Well, that's what I'm going to take for the archetypes. Are you going to be Albert in your pursuit of Christ? Are you honestly, humbly pursuing him? Are you going to be like Vance? There's a lot of people in our world like Vance. Culture or uh, moral relativism is is a Vance, you know, it's saying, Oh, well this is my way to live life. And that's fine. I like it. I don't want to change
1: it. I just want what I want out of it. And it's just, my, pr- my needs are the only thing that matters. Yeah.
0: And props to the movie for making him the obvious villain. You know, nobody likes him. He's right. awful because that's his, view. but that if you are a cultural relativist and what I really like about this sermon is if you have somebody who is not a follower of God or is unsure about these things or someone who is culturally attuned and a moral relativist, because they honestly think that's what's good and that's okay. There's a lot of people in our society that have been lied to who think moral relativism is a good thing. And thats I don't want to call them out or get on them or judge them for that because that's not the way to help show them that, hey, you actually think, you really do think that moral relativism is wrong. You just have been told it's right, so you think it's right. But there's a contradiction. I've been reading a book. It's Tim Keller. He's a pastor in New York. He's an impressive theologian. He, he understands a lot of things. He, he has a lot of great content. And I've been reading his book on apologetics. And one thing that he s- submits that's really interesting is he says, I think everyone in America believes in God. Because even people who are moral relativists, they believe some morals are better than others, which is a contradiction with moral relativism, because right. all you have to do is say, oh, so we shouldn't have women's rights because other cultures say no. And they're like, no, no, women's rights are good, which they are. But that's a great example of how, well, women's rights are good, but if you're a moral relativist, you actually don't think that you think, Oh, it doesn't matter. All morals are what they believe. So in Saudi Arabia and in Muslim countries that are very oppressive to women, uh, yeah, that's right. Because that's their truth. And nobody thinks that right. Everybody agrees that there are morals. Women's rights are a good thing. And because of that, my question to you is if you're a believer of Christ, you know, Jesus equals the truth. If you're not a believer of Christ, find the truth. If you're not a follower of him, fine. That's okay. I would encourage you to find the truth. What are the truth of morality? What is the truth of metaphysics? What is the truth of human nature and our purpose? Because those do have answers. And what you believe, you know, what does my, my dad always say, the salty pastor, what you believe is the most important thing about you. Right. So what do you believe? Do you believe in moral relativism? you know, that's Vance. And that's not a great, that's not the train you want to be on. Do you, are you a true seeker? You know, Albert in the movie is truly seeking love. You know, he says he's in a selfless way. One thing that I appreciate it as he doesn't change himself, but he does put himself in uncomfortable situations, right? Mm -hmm. He's still himself. He's still a terrible dancer. He still is whistling like a dork. He is still spilling mustard on his shirt. You know, the movie makes jokes about all these things, but he is not changing himself. Love is not about changing yourself, but it is about being able to be uncomfortable. And Albert does that while Vance is completely selfish. And the last archetype I want to talk about, I know we're throwing a lot of information at you fast because we got a lot to go through. The last archetype is hitch. What is hitch in this? Can you, you got any ideas for that?
1: I mean, he would be, I guess the skeptic or maybe he's, I don't know what's he
0: can be the skeptic. I'd also say he's a little religious.
1: You know, okay. what, what
0: does Albert say to him when he confronts him? You know, what happens is, and spoiler alert, but it's 17 years old. So come on guys. No spoilers. I <laughs> feel like it's okay for me to spoil it. What happens is Hitch gets found out by this gossip columnist that he's the date doctor. And this gossip columnist ha- gossip columnist has a little bone to pick with him. And so she publishes this thing to make him look bad and exposes Albert and makes the girl that he's after kind of dump him a little bit or just be like, who, what the heck is going on here? Really confused. So she pulls away. And so Albert confronts Hitch. He's like Fix this for me. I got to be with her. You know, that's when he says, you know, if I, I've waited my whole life to feel this miserable. And then Hitch is like, man, we can make it so you never feel this way again. And that's when it clicks for Albert. He's like, Hitch is not a true believer in love. He believes in it's, oh, it's a good thing. Oh, I want to follow it. But he doesn't really believe it and he's not pursuing it himself. You know, what's one of the ironies of the movie, the whole movie, this guy who is the date doctor, who he's like, look, three dates, I can get any guy to fall in love with his women, woman, they can get married. It's great. And you know, that's what you see in the little opening montage is all he needs is three dates with this guy and this girl. And if the guy truly is in love with her, she falls in love with him and they get married, which is a great message, by the way. I think that's awesome, but he doesn't do it himself. How is he still single? You know, he's still single because he is not a true seeker. We have Vance, who is a cynic. You know, he is just, oh, I don't care. This is what I want. I will not be uncomfortable. I will use the world to my advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's terrible in a villainous villainous perspective, which I'm glad it shows that. Albert is a true seeker. He's getting uncomfortable and he's not changing himself. He doesn't change who he is. He's still quite the dork
1: at the end of the movie, yes. 100% but all the way through, but he's
0: been uncomfortable and he's been willing to be humble and, and learn things, you know, like mm-hmm. at the very beginning when, uh, when he first makes a scene so that she notices him, you know, he opens the door to his office. She's, she's coming to talk to him and he has his mouth gaping open because he's like in shock and you just see hitch, you know, you can't see him, but he's like moves his mouth up to close it. Like that's not changing who he is, but he's learning, right? He's, he's a little bit more presentable in that way. So he's getting uncomfortable and willing to change. That is a true seekers attitude. But then we have hitch who is in the middle. Cause you see his, he's, he thinks love is a good thing, right? He refuses to work with Vance because he's like what Vance is doing is wrong. Right. And he's helping Albert do something good, which is right. But what is his perspective himself? he is not pursuing that very much. Is he, he's being the date doctor, but that's all he's doing is dating. He's not really
1: surface level.
0: Yeah. It's very surface level, which I feel like is a religious viewpoint to Christ. We have a lot of people who treat Christianity as a religion. They're like, Oh, there's these rules and these moral standards and I should be a good person, but they're not honestly authentically seeking Jesus. Mm. And we see what happens to hitch at the end of the movie is he's caught in between. He can't do both. You know, he's trying to act all cool and tough and suave, but he's also hurt and he's trying to deny. And he gets caught up in a contradiction because living a religious life is a contradiction. And so when we talk this Sunday, what we're going to talk about is which archetype are you? You know, if you have somebody who is a cynic or someone who, you know, I would say a lot of moral relativists who are honestly trying to be a good person, whatever that means to them, I'd say they're also in that religious category, even if they're an atheist, if they, if they're a moral person. And by moral, I mean, they're trying to follow rules and they're trying to be a good person and contribute to things. That's a religious viewpoint because you're trying to be a good person, but you're not honestly seeking the truth. Mm-hmm. And so my plea to everybody this Sunday will be seek the honest truth. And what are the implications of seeking that?
1: So, I mean, I like the, um, just to kind of further along this idea that you have with Hitch is, um, they in that same confrontation between Albert and Hitch near the end, he basically says, love is my... Life and Albert calls him out and says, "Love is your job. Love is your job." We see people taking their walk of faith very similarly. It's like they may not be in vocational ministry per Mm. per per uh, se, but they are taking it as this thing I have to do because it's expected of me, Mm -hmm. not because this is something I want to dive. Head on, you know, yes. and and to further that idea, they have this whole thing where Hitch is like, you know, I don't want to dive out of an airplane without a parachute, and Albert's yeah. like, I'm going skydiving. Yeah, it's great. Kind of this big and um, line in that whole thing where he's like, I don't care if I have a parachute or not, I'm going right. Mm. And Hitch is very like controlled and He's like. I'm giving you some of it, but I don't really, I'm not jumping. I'm not all jumping in. I'm all, in, all right? In. Yeah. I'm dipping the toe into the water or, you know, I've always got a, an opt out. I've got an emergency release or, mm. or an ejection seat, you know, still on the top gun thing. Things yeah. Like
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I think, I think you nail it and that's hitch is holding back. He still wants to be in control. He is not willing to be uncomfortable and a relationship with Jesus Christ is very uncomfortable. Uh, there was a video I saw years ago, uh, in, in, for a church sermon and it was one of those, you know, Christian groups that does skits and they have this guy who's, he's got a chisel and he's playing God. And there's this other guy who's like, I'm a good person. And this guy's just chiseling at him. He's like, ow, that hurts. Oh, I don't like that. Why are you over there? You know, I'm, I'm good. I don't sin. It's like, yes, we do. And Jesus wants to change us. He doesn't want to change who we are because we are who he made us to be. Mm -hmm. He wants to help us become that. And so a relationship with him is uncomfortable. You know, what does hitch do in the movie? That's uncomfortable. Not much. You know, he does his dates through the jet skis and stuff he's setting up and he's very smooth and cool. And every guy's like, Ooh man, hitch is awesome here, but he's in control the whole time. Right. You know, and he feels good and he's like, I got this. He knows what's going on. He is comfortable. What dates does Albert go on? He goes to, you know, the club, the fashion thing, which Albert is, he's got brown suits. He's an accountant. He's not a fashionable guy. You know, every suit he has in the movie, I think is like a a dull beige or brown or something. It doesn't look great, but he goes to this fashion thing with this girl because he likes her. And again, love is not about changing yourself the way you think you need to change. It's also not about changing for a woman or changing for a man. It's not about changing who you are so that person will like you more, but a relationship with Christ is about being uncomfortable and letting him work on you, not to change who you are deep down, but to mold you and shape you because you're already part of what he made you to be, but this world of sin corrupts us. So when he removes the corruption, it's not changing who we are but it is adjusting and working on it. And he's molding us a little bit. So we become who of who we become more of who we truly are. And that is an uncomfortable process,
1: right? Well, and it's, it's these, he, he talks about, um, when him and Allegra have that confrontation, he says, she says, well, what all did you do? You did all these things. And he's like, all I do is create opportunities for you to see who he really is. And I think Mm -hmm. God does that. You know, God is a lot like that like hitch in that way where it's like, he will put us in uncomfortable Mm -hmm. situations to give us opportunities to fall more in love with him, right. Or to follow him in a new way or to be uncomfortable. He creates those opportunities. He's never going to force us. I mean, that's something your dad talks about consistently as this doctrine of non coercion, God's never going to force you to love him. Like Mm -hmm. that is not the way he wants that. Just like you never want to force someone romantically to fall in love with you. Like, you know, you're not dragging them and say you will love me. Right. Mm -hmm. That God doesn't want that either, but he does create opportunities where he's like, Hey, this is an opportunity where we can grow closer. Mm -hmm. And even if you're a dork that spills mustard on your shirt, I still want to be with you if you're willing to kind of step outside your comfort zones. Right.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and that's what's so cool. Like I love, uh, in, in that boat confrontation and it's one of the scenes we're going to show where she's like, you know, did you tell him about the inhaler? And he was like, he showed that that what he's right. like, that was my number one rule. Do not show her the inhaler. And she's like, it was so cute. And he's like, what the, what is going on here? <laughs> like this makes no, no sense. But this is how today relates to Tuesday is that, are you a true believer? Because what should the way your relationship with Christ should work is that you are head over heels and all a pastor or small group leader or whoever it is that you're connected to who's helping you find Christ or a discipler, you know, as we talked about with the Top Gun sermon. Mm -hmm. Whoever that is, they should not be giving you rules and telling you exactly what to do. They should be helping you find opportunities to find God. And they can, you know, when I disciple, I try to share my life with people. And when I'm up on uh, up on preaching on a Sunday, I try to I try to guide them. But it is not my job to make you the thing, you know, it is your responsibility to take that and try to learn from it, but then go try to learn from scripture and challenge me and think, Hey, did Zach said this? Do I think that's right? And then use that to pursue God yourself.
1: And that's the idea of the salty pastor from the beginning has always been that, which is we're not here to do the work for you. There's plenty of other religions and churches that want to say, this is how you do it. And we're going to, you just show up and we're going to make it all happen for you. And you know, at least at foothills and Christianity as a whole is the way we believe it is your walk is your walk and we can come alongside you. We can challenge you. We can have these conversations and you go, I don't know if I believe that, but I can see where you're coming from. And that's okay too. You can have those conversations, but you're again, just creating opportunities to get to know God better and have a deeper relationship with him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, you look at that, you look at the movie and there's like, What does hitch actually do? You know, at the end he's like nothing, but there is one thing he did. He encouraged Albert to keep going. When there were difficulties, when Albert's like a fashion thing or Albert's like a dance club, like he's like, what is all this stuff? It's like, keep on going, keep pushing, you know, keep working towards it. The only thing, that Hitch encourages him to do, that he does, it's like an actual rule thing that comes through, is at the very beginning, when to get noticed by her, Hitch is like, you have to do something big. You know, and he ends up going way overboard and he he yells at her and he quits his job and does all this stuff. It, it works. But that's the only thing that he does that's anywhere close to following Hitch's rules, is, you know, making a little bit of a scene so that he is, instead of just, noticed. you know, a faceless accountant in this room with 25 accountants that all look similar, he is. He stands out. That's the one thing he does. And that to me, I'm like, well, that's the one thing that you and I kind of know that you have to do is like, look, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to follow him. You got to go for it. That's the one rule that you or me or anybody in the church can be like, well, you kind of got to step up and go for it. Yeah. Like that's the only commonality. Everything else is read scripture, follow God, seek truth. And this is where it comes back to if you have a friend who is a non-believer, the, where this is an evangelistic message is Jesus is truth. I firmly believe that. I believe that is a hundred percent true. And so I believe if somebody is seeking truth, they will find him. Uh, there's a pastor who I believe he died a few years ago, uh, because of cancer. Uh, but he wrote a book. He said, seeking Allah, finding Jesus because he was a Muslim. And then the more he studied, the more he sought truth, the more he was like, I don't think Islam makes sense. I think Christianity, I think Jesus dying on the cross makes so much more sense for why this world is corrupt for what's going on and for how heaven would actually work, mm. you know? And I believe that anybody who is, you know, a non-believer, whether they're a moral relativist or a determinist, whatever they believe, if they, or if they believe another religion, I, if Jesus is the truth, which we 100% believe because it says so in John chapter 14, verse six, then if you authentically <laughs> seek truth, you're willing to get uncomfortable, you're willing to be challenged, then you will find Jesus. And that's what's so amazing about the faith of following him is that we are constantly challenged too. We're uncomfortable too because we're still seeking truth. There are things I believe that are incorrect. And the only way they're ever going to be corrected is I seek truth. And then Jesus Jesus shows me, hey, you're a little off here. We're going to tweak your course. Now, if someone's a non-believer, it's a little bit more than a tweak to the course, right? It might not be a full 180, but it's still the same thing.
1: Well, I mean, we saw that even in the life of Herb Schiller, he was a world war II vet that went to our church for, and he um, passed away a few weeks ago at the age of 98 and he went to Bible study up until, you know, a week or two before his passing, like that he did not get to age 50, having been a believer since, you know, age 14 and yeah. go, Oh, you know, I've put 40 years into this. I think I've got to figure it out. I'm just mm-hmm. going to coast the rest of my life. No, he went to. Every Sunday he could make it, he was here and he stayed for both sermons Mm -hmm. and made sure your dad knew when he didn't say the same thing, both times. (laughs) And he went to Bible study and he was engaged in the church all that time. Over 90 years, he's, he's engaged in trying to grow and learn and Mm -hmm. make those minor adjustments and tweaks. So it's not something where you just get it one day and you're like, okay, I've got it, I'm done. Right. It's something that it's a lifelong journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know what? With, with the end, I, I would encourage everybody who believes Jesus is King is to really believe it. If you true, do you truly believe Jesus died on the cross? Because if you don't, then Christianity doesn't matter. You know, there, there are some Christians. And as you see more surveys in America, as, as our culture changes, there's more and more Christians who are like, Jesus was a great guy, but he didn't die and he wasn't God. Well, you're not a Christian then. And Paul says as much, he says, if, if Jesus Christ did not die and resurrect for our sins, our faith is meaningless. So are you a true believer in Christ? And if you are a true believer, what are the implications for your life? How can you not pursue him now? How can you not want to be with him? How can he and his words not be the most important thing in your life? Mm. And so if you're a true believer, well, I mean, look, if you don't want to truly follow him, I'm going to let you argue with him about it. You know, I don't want to step into there. I'm going to let him take care of that. But if you're not a true believer, then what do you believe? You know, again, one of the most popular um, philosophies in our culture in America uh, is Uh, moral relativism, you know, whatever you think is good is good. Whatever you think is right is right. You know, and there's a lot of college students. And I was talking with a friend who works in college ministry recently. And she said that when she talks to, you know, young girls in in college about stuff like this, she asks them just a few simple questions, you know, and some of them are like, okay, so do you think everybody has their own truth? Yeah. Okay. What happens when somebody's truth, you know, And she said she always uses Hitler, which is pretty extreme one, but it, but it works and you don't have to, you know, what if your truth is that women are lesser than men? there right. are people in this world who believe that and it's like oh well no they're wrong okay well if everyone can have their own truth then how is that person wrong for thinking women are less well those are contradictory right right you can't both think that oh that person is incorrect in their truth and everybody has their own truth so it's a simple contradiction so it's like okay well and that's why Tim Keller in his apologetics book wrote that he thinks that everybody in America even if they don't understand themselves, they truly believe in God because every, pretty much everybody in America believes in women's rights. They believe that some things are wrong and some things are right. They believe that murder is wrong. They believe that racism, most people in this country believe is wrong. They believe that there are other cultures around the world who are not as good as us at some things. For instance, women's rights, you know, like we talked about in Muslim countries, that is something that it's like, you can't both be a relativist and think, Oh, you know, our culture has this better. Or right. you know, or look at the uh, the Uyghurs in China. You know, the group of Muslims in China who's being persecuted and put in essentially concentration camps, and the Chinese government's committing genocide against them. How can you think that is wrong and think morals are relative? We can't think both. So if you are a non-believer, if your friend is a non-believer, or you know someone who is, then. Let's address that contradiction. And my goal here is not to say, oh, well, Jesus is the answer to the contradiction. So just, you know, believe in Jesus. That's not the way to solve it. The way to solve it is say, hmm, okay, well, what do we do then? You know, if these can't be both be true, if we can't be a moral relativist and believe that some morals are better than others or some moral codes are true and others are false, then which one do we pick? Do we choose relativism? Do we choose, you know, which one do you think explains the world more? Which one do you think makes more sense for us? Mm -hmm. You know, and follow that thread. Because my belief is that you'd follow that thread and be like, well, the relativism thing really does not work at all. You know, the the current determinist idea, which is determinism comes from if you think there is no supernatural, if you think the only thing that exists is the physical world, then you're a determinist because there's nothing that explains consciousness and everything in our lives is a biological and chemical process. Well, that leads to determinism. And then current day determinists, people are like, well, if everything's a determinist, then why should I punish my kid? Because it was predetermined. It's just a biological and chemical reaction. And there's an atheist who is a determinist who said, "Well, the illusion is helpful. It's
1: the probably going to." It's like helpful.
0: what? That doesn't really mean That seems really, really sketchy to me. That seems very, very. That's not solid ground. You know, I would right. say that is very shaky ground. He's standing on some floating icebergs that are breaking up. So I don't think that can be true at all. So discover truth, pursue truth. And personally, I believe you'll find Jesus. If you pursue truth and you find something other than Jesus, I'd love to hear what you found. Because I have a lot of questions for you. And look, maybe you can answer them. And maybe you have questions for me that I can't answer. But I don't think that's the case. So at the end of the day, if you want to call me biased, that's fine. Because I believe Jesus is the truth but I've thought about it. I've worked through things, you know, I've, why is there evil in the world? If God is all powerful and all loving, you know, that's been a common question. The, the idea, how can miracles happen? You know, some people get hung up on miracles. There's all these questions about the truth of Jesus and I'm willing to step up and answer those, but are you willing to step up and answer for what you believe in because Mm. you better make sure there's no contradictions because I'll find them.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Zach. I really appreciate your insight on what I, don't think anybody probably would have naturally come to. So you, you on never Hitch. thought of metaphysics nope, and archetypes when you watched it. Come on, on Hitch. I, I thought of a, a funny rom com with Will Smith just owning the whole thing. Which but, it is
0: also that it's a great movie. But
1: I liked your take on it, and that's why I love this at the movie series. Is we're taking these movies and we're really dissecting them and finding truth of scripture in them, even if they are worldly things. So thank you guys so much for joining us, and make sure you tune in on Sunday to hear more about metaphysics. Uh, and Hitch with Zach. Thanks for seeing us and we'll see you on Sunday.
0: Bye everyone.